So questions about prayer is the series that we are in. Uh, last week, Dwayne addressed a little bit of uh, introduction to prayer and that why should we pray and then talked a little bit about how we should pray, opening up the Lord's Prayer for us. And today we're going to shift gears to a little bit more difficult uh, of a question that I think that we often struggle with as Christians, and that is why does God not answer my prayers? Now, we know that God does not always not answer our prayers, so we might add, why does God often not answer my prayers uh, in this question? Um, but if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you have experience with unanswered prayer. I'm not going to do a show of hands. I'm assuming you would all raise your hands. Um, you have asked God for something uh, that he has not given to you, and I'm sure that you have experience with this question, uh, as I know I myself do as well. And I think that this question often paralyzes our prayer life for two reasons. The first is like a mental, uh, 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 in terms of understanding. So we often don't understand uh, why God chooses not to answer our prayers. You know, Dwayne read last week in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. But at times, that's not our experience, is it not? There's times when we ask and we don't receive. There's times when we seek and we don't find. There's times when we knock and the door is not open to us. And so we struggle with this. Uh, if this is true, if this is a promise for us, how, how do we relate that with the, our experience of unanswered prayer? So partially, I want to try to address that of, of helping us understand what Scripture has to say about unanswered prayer and answer those mental questions that we have. But I don't think that this is the biggest hang-up in relation to this question. I think an even bigger hang-up is the pain that we experience when we don't receive what we've asked for. And I think that we can all relate to this. When we are crying out to God for something that we believe to be good, whether it's for ourselves or for somebody else, and He doesn't give us what we're crying out for, there's a pain. There's a sting that comes along with that. And this is very much an emotional, heart-type pain. And that's something that I want to address as well this morning. Is when in the midst of those moments, when we don't seem to be seeing God respond to what we're asking for, where do we go to find rest for our hearts? To find rest for our souls in those moments? So we'll be dealing cognitively with trying to answer those questions and giving a good basis mentally for how we approach those and think through them. But then we also want to look at the heart and figure out where we can rest our souls in the midst of those unanswered prayers. And the way we're going to do this uh, is we're going to look at two questions which look like they're the same question, but I'll, I'll try to show you as we go throughout how they are indeed different. The first is the title of the message itself, Why Does God Not Answer My Prayers? As I'll show in a moment, I think there's only one answer to that um, if you are a Christian. And secondly, uh, which is similar but different, why does God not give me the things that I ask for in prayer? And they are different, and I'll strive to show that as we move along. So I'll give you one answer to the first question and two answers to the second. So let's pray and plead with the Spirit to come and help us as we study the Word. Father, we come to you this morning knowing that we need your help. As always, we are weak, 
And you know this, but you do not leave us in a state of weakness. You give us your spirit to help us in our weakness. And so I pray that your spirit would be here with us as we open your word and study it and as we deal with both the, the mental cognitive side of answering these questions, but then also dealing with the emotional experience of unanswered prayer. And Lord, I pray that you would just uh, bring this all together that we might uh, move forward from here and from this place passionately desiring to seek you in prayer. I ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So for the first question, why does God often not answer my prayers? Now as I said just a moment ago, I think that if you are a Christian, there's really only one answer to this. And that is that sin in our lives hinders our prayer life. Scripture speaks about this in a number of different ways. We'll look at three verses here and three different ways that it speaks of this. First, we'll see that sin in our relationships hinders our prayers. 1 Peter 3.7 says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now here, Peter, in the larger context, is laying out how Christian wives and husbands should relate to one another. And as he comes here to exhort the husbands, he specifically ties together the way a husband treats his wife with the effectiveness of his prayers. He ties together the way a husband relates with his wife to his prayer life. He says very straightforwardly, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them as the weaker vessel, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So what Peter is saying here, specifically in the relationship of husband to wife, or a husband to wife, is that husbands, if you are mistreating your wives, if you are mistreating a daughter of God, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, if you are mistreating her, not living with her in an understanding way, not seeking to honor her and care for her, you can expect that your prayers are not going to be answered. Because God does not seek to honor our prayers when we are mistreating other people. And we know it. And we don't want to deal with that sin. And I think that this can stem beyond just the husband-to-a-wife relationship. I think that the general principle that's applied here is that when we have sin in our relationships, regardless of what the relationship is, and we know it's there and we don't want to deal with it, well, this will hinder our prayers. This will be a, a quick way to not get your prayers answered by God. Sin in relationships hinders our prayers. Secondly, we see that sinful motivation in our prayers hinders our prayers. James 4.3 says this, You ask, speaking about praying to God, you ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now in this passage, James is rebuking his audience for their worldliness. They're thinking like the world. They're desiring like the world. And in verse 3 here, he shows us how worldly desires hinder our prayer life. He says that you don't receive what you ask for because deep down inside of you, you ask with a motivation to spend what you receive on yourself. Whatever you're asking of God, you're asking from an impure heart. 
not to use it for His kingdom and for the good of others, but simply for yourself. And yet again, God's not fooled. He knows our heart's desires way more than we do. He knows when we're asking genuinely. He knows when we're asking with good motives. And when we do not, James is clear. That's the reason why you don't receive. Sinful motivations hinder our prayers. And thirdly, and more generally than the first two, unconfessed sin hinders our prayers. Psalm 66.18, Dwayne referenced this verse last week, says this, the psalmist says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Speaking about his cries to the Lord for deliverance, if I had cherished iniquity, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to my prayers. He would not have responded. He would not have answered them. And this cherishing iniquity that is spoken about here speaks not of sin in our life that we are ignorant of, but sin that we know is there and yet we're unwilling to deal with. Now, yet again, this could manifest itself in sinful relationships, in sinful motives, in a whole a slew of different areas. But when we have sin in our life that we are cherishing, that is, we are unwilling to repent of and deal with, this will hinder our prayer life. We should not respect, expect to receive from God what we've asked for if we're cherishing sin in our lives. Now, I want to give a word of encouragement to those of you who are here and you feel like, you know what? I feel like I've sought repentance. I feel like I've searched my life and I've tried to repent of my sins and I'm asking for this thing of God and I just seem to be not getting a response from Him. I want to encourage you. you know, I have no doubt that there are many here whose prayers have been hindered by their sin. That you have sin in your life that you are unwilling to deal with and this point applies specifically to you. But I know that there are others here who have genuinely sought to repent of their sins, but yet you're still not receiving an answer for your prayer. And this is my encouragement to you. I've come across this before, and so I'm not sure if you find yourself in this situation or not. I've had people come to me and, and talk to me about their prayer life and say, you know, I'm praying for this, whatever it is, and God just doesn't seem to be responding. And, and I know that Scripture says that partially the reason why that is is because of sin, because of sin in my life. And so I've been searching and I've been looking and I've been overturning every stone in my life trying to find this sin that God is like holding against me. This one sin that I don't know about that I'm trying to repent of, but I don't know what it is and I feel like that's what's keeping me from getting an answer to my prayer. I've seen people who have been distraught, discouraged, depressed because they can't find this secret sin in their life that they believe is keeping God from answering their prayer. And if that's you this morning, if that's where you find yourself, my encouragement to you is that this point really doesn't apply to you at all. Look, we're, we are all sinful people. Even as Christians, we sin. The point here is, are you seeking to turn away from that sin? Are you seeking to repent of it? And if you are, and if you have, I can assure you that there are other reasons why God may not be answering your prayers. 
or may not be giving you what you're asking for. I don't want you to become burdened by searching for some secret sin because that's not what these scriptures are talking about. These scriptures are talking about sin you know is in your life and that you refuse to deal with. So this is a a good question. Why does God often not answer my prayers? For the believer, I think it's only because at times we cherish sin in our lives. We refuse to deal with certain sin in our life. Uh, This is a, a biblical answer, but I want to move on now to the second question, which is similar but different. The second question is, and I think what most people mean when they ask the question or say, God's not answering my prayers, what they often mean is, God's not giving me the things that I'm asking for in prayer. And so we turn to our second question of why does God not give me what I ask for in prayer? And as I open up the answer here for you, uh, I think it'll become clear how these questions are indeed different and require different answers. So why does God often not give me the things I ask for in prayer? The first answer is because we don't often ask in accordance to his will. God only grants prayers that are in accordance with his holy, perfect, unchanging will. 1 John 5.14 tells us this specifically. John says, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And what John means by hears us here is he answers, as he goes on to say in the next verse. But he's, he's, he's saying this here. This is the truth. That if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. Okay, He will answer those prayers. God only grants prayers that are in accordance to his will. Now this truth here that John is giving to us, that God is always accomplishing His holy and perfect will, and our prayers are a part of that, is an immensely encouraging truth. It is an immensely encouraging truth for our prayer life. It's encouraging to know that God uses our prayers to accomplish His purposes. This should make us want to pray more. And be more passionate in our prayers. But this truth can also be paralyzing to our prayer life. And actually keep us from praying. I believe that this truth can also be paralyzing to our prayer life because more often than not, whether it's a situation in our lives or a situation we're praying for in somebody else's life, we often do not know what God's will is. We often do not know what He wants in this situation. And so our minds begin to wander and we're tempted to think, well, John says here that only prayers that are prayed in accordance with the will of God, He grants. And I don't know what the will of God is in this situation. So is there any point in me even praying? Should I pray at all? My prayer is just going to hit the ceiling and go no farther. Have you ever been paralyzed in your prayer life by this thought? I don't know what's right to pray here, so I'm just not going to pray at all. I believe that the paralysis in our prayer life that is caused by this thought can be removed by an understanding of the Holy Spirit's work, role in our prayer life. And to this, I want to turn to Romans 8, 
Uh, and flip there with me. It's not going to be on the screen because it's a little bit larger of a text. Uh, flip there with me. Romans 8, we'll look at 26 and 27. And here Paul opens up for us, as I said, the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. And I believe as we see this, as we see what he has to say here, it will answer this, this issue of we don't know what to pray for, therefore, why should we pray? So beginning in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So, backing up to verse 26, uh, Paul here talks about the weakness that is inherent in humanity. How does he define this weakness for us? He says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, and this is the content of our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. It's a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of understanding what the will of God is in a given situation. This is the human weakness. But this text shows us that this should not discourage us from praying that we don't know what to pray for because God's Spirit is interceding for us as we pray. Even if we don't know what to pray for, this is what it says. The Spirit Himself helps us in our weakness for He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And continuing on in 27, notice what is said. The Spirit intercedes for the saints. How? According to the will of God. The Spirit intercedes for us perfectly because He, being God, knows the unchangeable, perfect will of God. And the way I imagine this working, I don't know if this is completely accurate or not, but this is the way I kind of picture it, is that in these moments when I, don't even, I can't even muster up the strength to pray because I just don't know what to pray for, or even when I pray something that is not in accordance with God's will, the Spirit interceding on my behalf is, is taking those prayers and, and taking those feelings and He's, he's perfecting it into a prayer that is in accordance with God's will and He takes it to the Father for us. He is interceding for us in our prayer life. And it's at this point that a word of encouragement comes to those of us who do not know what to pray for. The encouragement is this, it's okay. It's okay if you don't know what the will of God is in a given situation that you are praying for because the Spirit that lives within you knows. And as you pray, He will intercede for you according to the perfect, unchanging will of God. The Spirit is moving and working in our weakness, in our prayer. So it doesn't matter if we don't know what to pray for. That doesn't mean we don't pray. That means we pray and we rely on the Spirit to perfect our prayers that come in our ignorance and our lack of understanding the will of God. Now this truth that the Spirit is interceding for us 
has a most beautiful implication for our prayer lives, and we can't miss it. The truth that the Spirit is interceding for us in prayer guarantees, it guarantees that we will not always get what we have asked for, what we want, but it guarantees that we will always receive what God wants for us. We will always receive what we need. Even in the midst of praying things that God doesn't want. The Spirit perfects these prayers, takes it before the Father, and we receive from Him what we need. And in this sense, here's how the two questions differ, right? In this sense, if we are praying genuinely, not cherishing sin in our lives, what this means is that God is always answering our prayers. Always. There is never a prayer that is given to God that He does not answer because of the Spirit's perfect intercession for us. This should keep us praying. This should keep us faithful in prayer even when we don't know what to pray for. So to summarize this answer, why does God often not give me the things that I ask for? Because we often don't pray in accordance to His will. But let us not be so foolish as to think that this means that God is not answering our prayers. Indeed, He is because of the intercession of the Spirit and we are receiving what we need. Now there's a second answer that we need to explore in relation to this question. And it is this, that the things we ask are often not what is best for us. Why does God often not give me the things I ask for in prayer? Because we often pray for things that are not good for us. God's will for your life if you sit here today and are a Christian is your sanctification. Your being made more like Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, This is the will of God, speaking about Christians, your sanctification. This is His will for you, your sanctification. Our sanctification is His primary concern. Therefore, He often does not give us the things that we ask for in prayer because the things that we ask for in prayer will not aid us becoming more like Jesus. In other words, they're not what is best for us. We know this, right? I mean, if you have kids, they're asking for stuff all the time that isn't good for them. I mean, you don't give it to them, do you? No, of course not. If my son wants to play with some deadly chemical that's under the kitchen sink, like I'm not going to give it to him because I know it's not going to be good for him. God operates in a similar way. He's not going to give us things that aren't good for us. And I think that Paul and his life experienced this and actually gives us a great illustration of what this looks like in the life of a Christian. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 12 and we'll look at verses 7 through 9. Again, this one's a larger text so it won't be up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul experienced this 
praying out to God and not receiving what he asked for. And it's an excellent illustration of how God often does not give us what we ask for because it's not what is best for us. So let's read this text, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. Paul says, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So here's the situation in Paul's life. He's experiencing these amazing revelations from God. And to keep him from being prideful in those revelations or conceited in those revelations, a thorn was given to him in the flesh. Now scholars have debated. We do not know what the thorn was. Some people think it was a physical ailment. Some people think it was an emotional uh, type of struggle, anxiety, something like this that he had. We don't know. That's not what's most important here. What's most important is for us to see why it was given to him. Paul says twice in this text that it was given to him to keep him from becoming conceited. To keep him from being prideful in the midst of these revelations that he was receiving. And so Paul experiencing the pain of this thorn, whatever it was, goes to God and says, Please, will you remove this thorn? Please, will you remove this thorn? God, please, will you remove this thorn? And as we see in the text, God does not give Paul what he asked for. Because God knew that this was not what was best for him. So you see, the removal of the thorn in this instance would have aided Paul's conceit and his pride in the revelations, seeing that that's the reason why it was given to him in the first place, to keep him humble. And so for God to answer this request of Paul would not be conducive to his sanctification. It would not help him look more like Jesus, but rather it would cause him to be proud and conceited. And so for the sanctification or the good of Paul, God does not grant his request. But something that we can't miss here, and this goes back to the Spirit's intercession for us, is that although God does not give Paul what he asks for, God also does not turn Paul away empty-handed, but gives him exactly what he needs. Look again at verse 9. And he, that being Christ, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And so the way that I envision this working is Paul offers up this prayer to God. Three times he cries out for this thorn to be removed from him. And it's not God's will that it should be removed from him. And, and so the Spirit takes this prayer that's just not quite right and he perfects it gives it to the Father in accordance with His will, and what is received by Paul is not what he asks for, 
but what he needs. And that is grace to sustain him in the midst of dealing with the thorn, not the removal of it. You see, God answered Paul's prayer. Didn't give him what he asked for, but he did answer it. And how does Paul respond to not receiving what he asked for? Does this cause distance between him and his relationship with God? No. Quite the opposite. It actually strengthens his relationship with God. So much so that Paul goes on to say, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, of this thorn in the flesh, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul's relationship with God was to not begin to deteriorate because of the lack of answer to prayer in relation to giving him what he asked for. Why? What was it in Paul that caused him to boast in this? I believe it was that he trusted God. I believe that, that he trusted that God was going to do what was best for him. And that whatever answer he received was right and was good. And here I want to give a word of encouragement to those of you who have prayed earnestly and you have not received what you've asked for. In the moments when we are dealing with not receiving what we've asked for, we must press into God. We must not allow it to distance our relationship with Him, but we must press into Him and trust that He is doing what is best for us. And this trust that we have in God is not misplaced. This is not something that we're just hoping for. God, my situation looks terrible, but I hope that You're doing what is right. Scripture tells us that He will do what is good and what is best for us. And it's in this that we must trust. Jesus in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 9-11 says this, Which one of you if, you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? This is where our trust needs to be in God. When He does not give us what we ask for, our trust needs to be in the fact that He is our Heavenly Father and He is perfect. And He has promised to do what is best for us. And it's in this truth that we must trust Him in those moments. So why does God often not give us the things that we ask for in prayer? Because we don't often pray according to His will. But again, this does not mean that He's not answering our prayers. The Spirit intercedes for us so that we receive all that God wants for us. This should keep us faithful in prayer. But secondly, we do not receive what we often ask for in prayer because it's often not what is best for us but we know that God will always give us what He wants for us. And in this, we must trust Him and we must continue to cry out to Him. Now these answers, these two answers that I've given, 
will help us overcome the paralysis that often strikes our prayer life. They will help us be more faithful in prayer. Because it doesn't matter if we don't know what to pray for. We have the Spirit to help us. And we know that at times when we don't receive what we've asked for, that's okay. Because we know that God is giving us exactly what we need. And so these things should not keep us from prayer, but these answers will help us be more faithful in prayer. This is dealing with the mind, giving answers to these questions. And indeed, it will help our prayer life. But these answers, I do not believe, though they help some, I do not believe these answers will provide the rest that our souls need in the midst of walking through unanswered prayer and not receiving what we've asked for. This, is, this can be a deeply painful experience. I have no doubt that many of you are praying for things right now that you believe are good and are genuine for yourself or for somebody else, and you have seemingly received no response from God. You have not received what you've asked for, and that's painful. There's heart in the mix here. So in the midst of not receiving what you've asked for in prayer and dealing with that sting, does that lead you away from continuing to pray to God? Does that pain, that painful experience of not receiving, lead you to say, I'm just gonna, not even going to ask Him anymore? There is a place where we can find rest for our souls in the midst of of walking through unanswered prayer. And we need something more than mental answers here. We need someone to walk with us who has walked down the same dark road that we are on. So here I want to conclude with encouragement to those of you who are dealing now with the sting of not receiving what you have cried out to God for. Our temptation in these moments is to allow this unanswered prayer or seemingly no response from God to cause distance in our relationship with God. That's the temptation. And it's a real temptation. But in these moments, we must not allow ourselves to be distant from God, but we must press into Him. We must run to Jesus, for He is the only one who can give rest to our weary souls. How is it that Jesus can provide the rest that we truly need? Brothers and sisters, Jesus can provide the rest that we truly need because He has been where you now are. He knows your sorrow. He knows the pain and sting of not receiving what you've asked for in prayer. I want to turn our eyes. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it briefly to a scene in the Gospels in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is crying out to His Father the night before He would go to the cross. And this is what is said. Then Jesus went with them, His disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. 
remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus, with sorrow in his heart, so much so that in Luke's account of this, he says that he was dripping sweat that were blood. Blood was coming from the pores in his body. He was sweating blood. His soul was so troubled. He cries out to his father, asking him, Father, if it is possible that this cup, the cup of your wrath that I will drink at my crucifixion and death, if this cup can pass, please, please let it pass. And we all know how the story goes. Jesus, the Son of God, does not receive what He asked for. Church, when we have soaked our pillows in tears, when our knees have become bruised from kneeling before God in prayer, when we cannot offer up another prayer to God, our voices can't find the strength to do it. In those moments, we must go to Jesus. We must rest our souls in Him knowing that He is a Savior who sympathizes with our struggle, who has been where we are, and who will give us grace in that time of need. When our souls are dealing with the sting of unanswered prayer, we must run to Jesus. And I encourage you to do that today. By resting our souls in Jesus, we will find the grace we need to continue to go to God in prayer. Because this, not the mental answers or questions that we have, this matter of the heart and the emotion and the sting of unanswered prayer will keep us from continuing to pray more than anything else. And we will find no resting place for our souls until we turn to Jesus. He is a merciful and gracious and sympathetic Savior. Let us pray. Father, we thank You that You have not left us here with difficult questions about prayer that You have not given answers to in Your Word. We thank You that You have informed our minds in relation to these questions that we have. And we're grateful for this. I pray that these truths that we have examined in Your Word this morning would sink deeply into our hearts and that they would keep us faithful in prayer. But more than this, Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. We are so grateful that He is a Savior who knows our sorrow, who knows our pain, 
and longs to be there with us in it. And so I pray, Lord, for each one here and for myself, when we are dealing with the sting and hurt and pain of not receiving what we've asked for in prayer, would you turn our hearts to Jesus? And would you pour out your grace upon us to sustain us in prayer as we turn to him? We love you, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.